This episode of the Bo Templin Show. Oh my goodness, the gang is staying busy this week. We have homecoming coming up this weekend. And we have some old-time friends making their way to downtown Columbia, Missouri. Luke Domask, the uncle, making his fabulous return back home. We're going to talk a little bit to him about Mizzou homecoming, about Mizzou football, where they're at. That might be in a separate podcast. For this podcast, we bring on Andrew Zolden. And Andrew Zolden's got a lot to talk about today. The Browns get absolutely schmacked on Monday Night Football against the 49ers, who I don't know if they're legit or not. Zolden seems to think so. But the Browns have some issues that they got to figure out on their own, regardless of who they're playing, where they're playing, when they're playing. There are kinks, there are problems right now inside the Browns locker room that they absolutely need to figure out. After that, this is what the episode is about, okay? Pro wrestling, WWE, AEW, NXT, Friday Night SmackDown, Monday Night Raw. It was the biggest week in the last two decades for pro wrestling. For the first time, WWE has a competitor now. AEW, a legit up-and-coming televised event that wants to go head-to-head with the WWE And through week one, we talk about it, but AEW did a great job, but that's not the concern. The concern is, can AEW consistently, on a week-by-week basis, put out a better product than the WWE has been, and they've been catching flack, and they've been getting criticized for it, that their show has not been the same. AEW now gets to go to TV uh, 14, opposed to TV PG, which is what the WWE has been dealing with over the last couple years. But Dylan Flashner is the man I chose to come on to talk about it. I have some other wrestling friends and family that I will be bringing on because the wrestling world is as hot as ever right now. It is scorching. It is boiling. We've got superstars out the wazoo. We've got shows every night of the week. It is a blast to be a part of right now. And I really like what AEW has going on. I like their stars. I like their mantra. I like their motto. I like their tone that they're bringing. They have a few kinks to work out themselves. But this is a really good time to be a pro wrestling fan. And if you haven't been watching, please, we're here to introduce it back into your lives. It's a lot of fun. It's nothing crazy. You don't have to take it too seriously. Although me and Dylan might be. But it's a lot of fun. I am so happy that Dylan was willing to come on and talk about it. This is another weekly mixtape of the Bo Templin Show. Coming up, we've got Andrew Zolden, Dylan Flashner. Next. Well, this one might sting a little bit for uh, the good friend of the show, Andrew Zolden. Now, I, I do want to make sure I'm, I'm appropriate here in how I start, but we're going to get into the Browns. We're going to get into their... Well, it was a tough week for the Browns, and I'm not going to be the one to explain it. I'm going to let Andrew Zolden do all the talking here. But first and foremost, Zolden, happy Yom Kippur, brother. Oh, thank you very much. I really, I really appreciate that. You know, if I was with you in person, I would, I'd shake your hand and I would record it so that everyone saw visual proof of me shaking your hand. But then 
I would go and say that you did not shake my hand, even though you shook it back. So thank you for the Yom Kippur wishes. Oh, oh, I, I, I think I might be picking up what you're putting down right now. Um, are you referring to the little dap, hashtag dapgate between Richard Sherman and Baker Mayfield? I am referring to Dapgate, the handshake fiasco, as we're calling it over in Brownstown. Um, it's the dumbest thing ever. Number one dumbest thing. And I just, I'm so sick of this team. I told you last week about the stop with the one-handed catches and just win a game. Well, they did that. They beat the Ravens. But then there was so much one-handed catch garbage all this week in practice. So much Baker garbage, and then you just had the worst game. The worst game the team's had in three years. Under under Hugh Jackson, the worst loss was 25 points. And now, five weeks into the season, the Browns have a 28-point loss and a 30-point loss. Uh, actually, it might have been 35 against whatever. They have a 30-point loss and a 28-point loss. Both losses Worse than Hugh Jackson's worst losses, so I, I'm very frustrated. I'm not. I'm not worried. Worried is the wrong word. I'm more frustrated because we know we have the talent. Concerned a little bit about Baker. I know you didn't even ask a question to prompt this, but as you can tell, I'm very upset. Um. So I, I didn't tell you this, Zolden, but I was actually working Monday night during the Browns game. Uh, I was officiating flag football for the beautiful Mizzou Rec facility. And I, I wasn't able to catch that much of the game. So what I wanted to do here was I was going to tell you things that someone not watching is able to read. I read, you know, 8 for 22, 100 yards, two interceptions for Baker. I see Nick Bosa planting a flag um, after the game. I see Odell Beckham returning a punt, fumbling a ball, looking careless as all hell. I see them running reverses. I see the most catches by a single receiver is Jarvis Landry with four. Odell only gets two receptions. What's the story behind those numbers? Uh, uh, I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. And this 49ers defense is not, it's not one to be messed with. You know, Bosa's incredible. Had kind of his welcome to the NFL coming out party game, which... You know, as a Buckeye fan myself, was a little conflicted, but that's not as important. You know, he played a great game. That that defense is great. The run offense that Shanahan has is incredible, the way he uses the fullback. The Browns just were not ready. They came off of a huge win in which they thought they had turned the season around, and they weren't, they weren't ready. And it was over right away. Uh, I'm blanking on the running back's name. Breda, um, Matt Breda. Breda. Matt Breda had that yeah, Breda had 83-yard touchdown right away, and instantly I said, all right, this, this is going to be a bad one. And then I will say this, though. It's a completely different game, completely different sp- stats for Baker. Everything's different if Callaway – I don't know if you saw it. If Callaway catches that touchdown versus the interception, that's an extra touchdown for Baker. That's uh, less interceptions for Baker – and all of a sudden, it's 14-10. It's a completely different game. So that 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 was the end of the game right there. And I I like the cute plays with Odell throwing the ball, but what does it tell you if 
the best passing play of the whole game was from your starting wide receiver, not your starting quarterback. I, I'm not giving up on Baker. Definitely not going to do that. My team hasn't ever had a quarterback, so I'm not going to give up after a couple bad weeks. But maybe he could spend time not making a progressive commercial and working on his game. I would like to see less. I hate the, these fucking progressive commercials more than I hate the one-handed practice catch. Okay, so I think what I'm going to have you come back with next week here is we're going to do a power rankings of your least favorite things about the Browns. I think that that's what I'm going to have you come in and do next Ugh. week. I have a tweet here that I want to read you, and I want you to say if you agree or disagree and why. Do you want me to give it? You want me to give you? Well, do you want me to give you some power rankings of that right now? Because you know what? If, if, the hey, if you feel good, do it. I'm going to the game next week. Okay. Things I hate about the Browns are most frustrated. However, you want to interpret the question. Okay. I I, I got it. All right. So right now I am most frustrated. I'll I'll go from third to like third most frustrated, second most frustrated, first most frustrated, third most frustrated with Baker because the offensive line is is absolutely terrible right now, and part of that is because we traded Odell or the the Odell trade we traded Zeitler who's a great offensive lineman was like PFF graded top five last year so. That was going to happen. So I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm annoyed and I'm pissed off about Baker, but he's not the top of the list because what he did last year and the, and the joy he's brought Browns fans, you can never really get too mad at him. So he's number three. Number two, I'm frustrated with the way the offense is incorporating Odell Beckham. And that can be attributed to Freddie Kitchens as a whole, but I'll explain more why Freddie Kitchens is number one. I just just get the ball to Odell. Do whatever Zolder, you can. Can Give I read you a tweet? Uh, Go ahead. Can I read you a tweet regarding Odell Beckham? Yeah. Here's a tweet from uh, Keith Britton, eighty six. I can't believe how many people I hear questioning whether Odell fits with the Browns. I'm sure McVeigh, Andy Reid, McDaniel's, Shanahan, Peyton, O'Brien, Lafleur, and plenty others would gladly take on the challenge of making that quote fit work. That's skill. That skill set fits anywhere. Scheme better. Yeah, I mean Odell's not not fitting. No one no one's fitting in well right now. It's not like it's not like only he is not getting his lion's share. Like no one no one is playing well. So it's not Odell not fitting in the offense. It's the offense not working, which is Freddie Kitchens' fault, which is the offensive line's fault. It's obviously a little bit on Baker too. But another huge thing is just personnel is weak right now we have a lot of people who are injured greedy williams our two starting quarterbacks greedy williams denzel ward both out haven't played in three weeks that's not going to help when you're playing a creative crazy offense like the 49ers have and you know having odell in there to return punts i don't know if that was a freddie kitchens decision but you're down 25 and you're just that was just so frustrating he he fumbled it he shouldn't have even been in he shouldn't have i don't think baker played again after that moment so the fact that you have your most valuable offensive asset where he can just get blown up when the game is clearly out of reach was just so stupid and I think that falls on Freddie and that's who I'm the most frustrated with easily easily most frustrated with Freddie over the next five games you guys will play the Seahawks 
who look really promising. You will play the uh, the Patriots, who look really promising. You will play the Broncos, who are tough at mile high. You will play the Bills, who look pretty solid. And then you have the Steelers, which is a tough rivalry game. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried. I, mean, I know you're not. I know you're not concerned. But from the outside looking in, I'm sorry to say it. I'm worried. Well, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think the Ravens are as good as everyone thought they were. Uh, the Browns killed them. The Steelers should have beaten them. I think the division is bad. I think the Browns are still the best team in the division. I think the division winner could have eight or nine games, and I think that the, the wild card will not come from the Browns division, the AFC North. So I think everyone, which I never thought they were a Super Bowl team. It was people – we talked about this. It was people outside of Cleveland who believed that they were Super Bowl contenders when we just wanted to have a winning team for once. I think Super Bowl contention is out the window. This team's not going to win a playoff game. If they get in, they'll be the division winners, and it'll be the the lowest division winner in the in the in the league in terms of wins. So I'm just concerned about not living up to the hype and stuff like that, which isn't actually a big deal. I still think this team is the best team in the division. I still think this team squeezes into the playoffs with winning the division but I think they need to win some of their next few games, obviously. But I think the Ravens are not anything special. I think the Browns should take both from the Steelers, both from the Bengals, and that gets you to that gets you to six wins right there. So find two or three more wins in the season, and I think you're making the playoffs. Andrew Zolden, I saw that Drive the Lane will be doing a live show. Can you uh, explain that real quick, and then I'll get you on out of here? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. We are doing a live show the night before the Ohio State-Northwestern game at a bar in Chicago, McGee's Bar or McGee's Tavern and Grill. We're going to have some former Buckeyes, some ESPN people, Joey, myself, got some gear to give out. It's going to be pretty crazy, two hours, seven to nine. I don't know what to expect, but I expect it to be great. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know what to expect, though. Uh, should should be a pretty uh, pretty fun day. It sounds like an absolute blast. Zolden, thank you for coming on once again. As always, always appreciate you having on. Um, the enthusiasm. Let, let's just hope that the Browns can kind of match the mentality that you're bringing with. Uh, pleasure is always having you on. All right. Thanks, boss. Talk soon. Andrew Zolden, as always, just an absolute delight. Love talking Browns football with him. Uh... God, he he brings a great perspective. I'm excited to hear about the show that they have going on in Chicago. That should be a lot of fun, so feel free to check that out if uh, if that's your type of thing. Coming up next, I think the plan here is I'm going to talk to Dylan Flashner. We're going to get into the WWE over the last week or so. It's been a big week uh, for pro wrestling. They started with Monday Night Raw last week, their new season premiere, and then... Uh, on Wednesday, there's the first uh, Wednesday Night War, which we've seen in a long time, and I'm going to explain all of that, the historical connections, but you have WWE's NXT, which is like their minor leagues, going up against AEW, which is this new up-and-coming wrestling promotion, and then on Friday, WWE decides to put their SmackDown show back on Friday night, 
on Fox. This is big. For people who've been watching this stuff, who are born with it, who've grown up with it, it's a lot of fun, man. And this week brought back a lot of old-time fans. It kept the new fans engaged. Dylan is one of those fans, so it was great listening to hear what he had to say. We get into The Rock, we get into Becky Lynch, we get into Baron Corbin, a good heel, a good villain, a good showrunner, and all of that. A lot of fun to talk about. Uh, all that stuff with Dylan, a lot, a lot of fun. So that is coming up next here on The Bo Templin Show. Here is Dylan Flashner. If you talk to any pro wrestling fan ever, that they, the one of the first things that they're going to bring up is the Monday Night Wars of the late 90s and early 2000s. You ask any of them. Because the WWE, for the first time, had competition. The WWE was this monster, this behemoth of a company. And they, they took on competition and battled against other pro wrestling organizations to see who could win the Monday Night War. And WWE came out on top. They ended up taking over the other companies. That's how they absorbed some fantastic all-time great wrestlers like Goldberg. And since then, it has been a 20-year reign, dominant stretch for the WWE. They have not had any remote competition until recently. So... As I've explained to you guys many times before, I was born into this stuff. Pro wrestling was part of my childhood. I've talked about it and the importance with my cousins and my family and my young friends. We ate this shit up. We absolutely loved it. And whether or not, you know, how much you take it to heart, we just loved the entertainment factor and loved having a blast with it. Um, none other than Dylan Flashner. Oh, what's and, up, uh, my guy? How are we doing? Dylan Flashner, thank you for coming on the Bo Templin Bro, Show. Bro, thank you. I uh, I am so excited to talk some wrestling. Um, wrestling? Talk some wrestling here. I'm excited. Dylan, you're well-versed in the art and language of wrestling, and I don't trust just anyone <laughs> to come on the podcast to talk about this stuff. I mean... I, You're a respected voice in this industry. I'm gonna call it connoisseur of sorts. Um, yeah, I fucking love wrestling. I mean, how can you know? It's it's a combination of the drama and sports that we always love, like you were talking about. And I just, I to this day, I still see the entertainment value in it, even though you know we're not following it exactly how we used to when we were die die hearts. You know what I mean? But you know, it was so much fun watching all week long and getting to see all the products. Cause this war, it, it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be one for the books, man, I think. It's gonna be interesting. It should be really, really interesting. I mean, for the first time now in, in almost two decades, the WWE has competition. So, this last week, we saw a good example of what we're calling, you know, this was wrestling week yeah. across yes. the world. Was it wrestling week? Um, and we added on Hell in a Cell at the end of the weekend. So that was which we will yeah. which we will get no, to it was which we will get to. I can't I yes, I know. It was crazy. So so let's break this down then mm -hmm. for the you know, the commoner, the average person. Yeah, it starts with Monday Night Raw at the beginning of the week, the WWE's longest running, you know, cable yeah, network show television show of all time. Yeah. Yeah, the whole nine. Um 
And it's a new season, right? So every single one of these shows is going to be opening up with new storylines, characters wanting to go in different directions. And we saw a glimpse as to what the WWE is going to be trying to do on Monday Night yeah. Raw. And although I did not necessarily understand their methods last week, mm-hmm. now being one week removed from right. it, it makes total sense. So let's let's recap it yeah. here. They start with Brock Lesnar, yes. right? Rey Mysterio's plans to uh, challenge Seth Rollins for his WWE title. And before they even get to that match, Brock Lesnar opens with an attack on Rey Mysterio and yeah. Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic. I give it an A. I love that opener. I, I, I loved it. Bring in, bring in a storyline that's realistic, but he, he came in hot on Dominic. When he put him over the barricade, I mean, like, that was a real bump. I didn't know Dominic could take real bumps. So here's here's what I kind of saw this for Dominic. Welcome to the – this is your welcome to the WWE moment, I think, for the yes. kid. And, and uh, from what I'm researching a little bit, he's been training a lot. Oh, undeniable. He's going to have a match. There's no doubt in my mind somehow, some way they're going to get this kid in a ring. Something that I really like is during these moments in the WWE where a character is so despicable or does something so horrid and awful, the fans can't even bear to look. Just the thought of the act of what Brock Lesnar was doing. The look of concerned fans was incredible. I mean, I was concerned too. I didn't know what the fuck was going on for a second. I was like... You know, Brock's been known to work very tough on people, so I didn't know what the fuck was going on. You know what I mean at first? I, I was I was kind of like the fans. This week, though, Brock Lesnar, you know, it starts with this attack, mm-hmm. and then that is when he walks out, you know, walks out of the ring, walks down the aisle, but he stops. Yes. He stops, he gives the grim, he gives the smirk, the smile. The comeback and then doing it again is always my favorite as when a heel does it. Because that's what they're not supposed to do. You know, they're not supposed to play to the crowd when they say one more time. You know? They're not supposed to, but I don't think Lesnar has ever been a guy to do uh, something that he's not supposed to do. That's what Brock Lesnar's done his whole career. He's done things that he's not supposed Brock to do. Lesnar. You know, I mean, like it's it's in Heyman, everything about him. You know, it's just... so Lesnar Lesnar returns to the ring. He delivers another suplex, and Paul Heyman. You speak of him. He's just begging Brock Lesnar oh, yeah. to stop. <laughs> Brock, please, please stop. I, stop. He's one of the best. One of the best valets of all time. Oh, he's he's great, eh? He's as good. He's a Hall of Famer. He's iconic. He actually, he's the one who's writing these scripts for Monday Night Raw. I mean, when he comes out there and he talks and does his whole shtick, I mean, he is setting up pay-per-view after pay-per-view. You know, his value is insane. So he walks out, I believe, a third time and returns. And, you know, they keep referring him. As the beast incarnate. Yeah, I know. They keep putting that the one. beast incarnate. I don't know why they keep putting It's so many words. You know, it's so intensive vocabulary for kids. Like, what the, are they doing? 
So that was the storyline that Monday Night Raw tries to open up right. with, right? And and I'm all for it, and I think you're oh, yeah. for it too. I think it was a great way for for the week to really start. I think it kicked off the whole wrestling week as a whole, not just the WWE or even Yeah, Raw. it was important for all the shows. I think all the shows wanted that. They didn't want some boof, you know, start to the week because that would have fucked up every show. And I don't want to necessarily get of our head ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. here, Dylan. But the following week, Raw. You know what? Now that I said, I'm gonna think about it, and we're gonna wait until to discuss no. this week's Raw episode. Let's get into let's get into oh, AEW. Okay. AEW, for the people that don't know, is the company that's gonna be trying to retaliate against the WWE for the first time now in in two decades. There's competition. Yeah. AEW airs on Wednesday evenings, and they're on mm-hmm. TNT. They are led by uh, the family of wrestlers, mm-hmm. the Rhodes, uh, Dustin, and Cody, who are both you know big parts of the show. Uh, they have Chris Jericho. They have a really strong tag team division that we're going to get to. But AEW opens up with Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara, and I'm not going to pretend to know who. Sammy Guevara was prior yes. to the match, um, but I, half halfway through this thing, Sammy is a beautiful heel in the making. He's incredibly athletic. The fans have that innate distaste yeah. for him, and he's ready to bring it. Awkward-looking guy when you first see him, and then he comes out in that like headdress thing with like you know the the uh, mouth of whatever that thing was, and then. You give him about two, three minutes, and you understand his technique is just incredible. I mean, that kid is really good. He's very entertaining, too. Yeah. Talented. Undeniably talented. Great. Um, I thought a great match to start out for them. Um, I was really impressed. So I thought it was a great way to start the show. Um, there's an added dynamic to AEW's show that I actually really liked. And it's the time clock yep. that they put How on the, the matches. The yeah. regulated matches are How set the to win 20 minutes. Uh, and yeah. we're going to get know, into and, that and as well. Can I add well. another thing? I hate to get ahead, but... No, crowd, do it. Do they it. They had a huge-ass crowd. I mean, they're selling out real arenas. I mean, you know, regardless of that, for wrestling to have two separate organizations that can sell out arenas on a given day and and put on a weekly televised I, show? And, and it's incredible to me because they're switching cities. It's not like they're staying in one remote location like NXT. Um, it's It really is just, it, it's incredible to me. I, I'm, I'm shocked. I was shocked to see that big of a crowd. I was. So the, the time clock, the 20 minute time clock has added pressure, I think, to any, you know, uh, Superstar who's supposed to walk away with a W, you know, if he doesn't have a, a a pinfall by 10 minutes, I think it's great for JR to say, well, and we just hit the 10-minute mark. He's only got yeah. 10 minutes left to finish this match. I like that added You're trying dynamic to make of pressure. more realistic, and I understand um, that. So I like that. I, I was fine with it. They did it back in the day, and I thought it was cool. Um, I And I like it a lot now. So you throw in the time clock. You throw in the win-loss record, which I could not love anymore. And in fact, it really reminds me of the Goldberg days back when he was on uh, WCW, ECW, because 
if you recall, Goldberg had that undefeated streak where they kept oh. saying every time he showed up. Uh, Goldberg, of course, 74 and 0 it made inside it like a the fight, ring. Like a real um, fucking and he, he, fight. And that's what you want. Like that fight feel. That's why they keep bringing in these real fighters. We'll get to that. But you know what I mean? It's just, uh, I love it. It's the energy that it brings. It's. At the end of the at the end of the Cody mm-hmm. Rhodes Sammy Guevara match, Cody Rhodes pulls out a W. You know, and, and that's yeah. how the show's supposed to go. And I love this at the very end is the handshake mm-hmm. that Sammy offers right. right to Cody Rhodes, and it's followed by the attack from Chris Jericho. So now I'm already wondering, you know, is there right. a faction forming between Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and there's a grin on yeah. Sammy Guevara's face. That as Jericho is beating yeah. up on Cody Rhodes, it's kind of a, you know, this isn't yeah. really none of my business, but I'm going to enjoy you know, watching they, it anyways. They did one thing about AEW that they wanted to get away from with WWE is they wanted to run their own storylines. Like, this is dope. This is cool. It makes us think, you know, and they bring out their top guys early on without f- fucking pushing them too far onto us. I liked it. One of my concerns for AEW prior to really seeing the the show in full effect, and I guess that'll be answered over the course of the next month because tonight is the second show. We're recording on Wednesday, yeah. October 9th right now. Uh, tonight will be the second show for AEW. And, and that's what makes the WWE really impressive is the fact that they do it 350 weeks out of the year. They put a new show up every week. You know, it's easy to create one show. And I think that's where the WWE and its fans are saying, we do this all the time. You know, AEW put on one good show, and of course AEW is going up against NXT, which is, I Dylan, yeah. would you say it's safe to say that a, NXT is like the minor yeah. leagues oh, absolutely. for WWE? Yes, very that's a, Yeah. That's a fair comparison? So... So for AEW in the coming weeks, and I think this will be a big question that they need to answer, is do they have enough faces and heroes and pros to carry the show through the coming weeks? And that was something that I Mm -hmm. was looking for through show number one. What I did not realize about AEW, though, at the time, is that they've got a roster full of heels. And a guy like MJF, who I had no idea had this superior, like superior confidence in his heel arrival, and he's embracing the boos and the hatred and the disdain from the fans. It was a lot more than right. I expected. No, and when he work. did that before the Brandon Cutler match, um, I was impressed. Like to have multiple heels shown. And they're young, new faces. I, I think that's what AEW was trying to just show is they have different faces and different people to push. Um, I liked it. It's, it. It is a little... There's no real huge face other than Cody I can, and maybe Omega and the Bucks. But, I, you know, it's going to be interesting. I would yeah, Moxley. Well, I would yeah, Moxley. Oh, no, for sure Moxley. I totally forgot about Moxley. Um, because he came in... First of all, is that not a DQ? So, oh my no, god. No, I mean, uh, yeah, but, but, um. But, but can we discuss this? Because this was literally my next question is through show number one, Moxley sends, is it yeah. Kenny Omega through a glass table? 
and there's no mention of I a mean, disqualification. You know, the insulting of intelligence this week was a little tough to get over. Just because it's like, you know, you can't tell us that's a DQ for years and years and years and then all of a sudden act like that's nothing. Or you can't, you know, and I understand why they didn't want to stop the match. And I actually kind of appreciate that at times because they got to bring out Jack Hager too and, you know, all that crap. But uh, kind of a, kind of a weird, you know, feeling a little bit in that match if you're, if you're me. They start their show, which, and I actually really liked this, was one of the things that they're really trying to claim mm-hmm. over the WWE, in my opinion, is the tag team division. And I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. going to jump on the topic yet, but I, I'm leaving it as something to watch for in the AEW uh, sphere. Because I think they have some really talented mm-hmm. tag team partners that could put on some yeah. good shows. The Young Bucks are incredible. Um, I think obviously right. they're, they're the face of the tag team division, but I'm really excited to see how that uh, moves forward in the coming weeks. And then at the very end of the show, this is the last thing that we'll discuss in terms of AEW, the return, the arrival, mm-hmm. the homecoming, yeah. the rebirth of Jack <sighs> I miss Hager, the swagger name. Who I miss it. I miss it so bad. I- I do too, but listen, there is a newfound self-confidence, there's a sense of realism, and I think it's truly because of the MMA debut with Bellator. They can make him into that guy now. You know, he's proved himself outside of the ring multiple times, not as just a wrestler, um, but as a fucking, you know, uh, fighter in general. You know, he came in and Bellator and did his thing. So he's a real fighter, you know, so he can really beat people up. And that helps the the company in, in terms of pushing the guy. No doubt. So we discussed the faction that was kind of building right at the beginning of the show. So we see Guevara form himself mm-hmm. somewhat into a heel early on against Cody Rhodes. And you see right. him somewhat team up with Jericho. And then at the very end, you see Hager come in, and he lays right. a beat down on no, Yvonne Rhodes, correct? And I, <clears throat> they have a lot of cool guys in this one. And I, I, as to, in terms of talent, in terms of wrestling talent, they might have the cleanest roster out there in terms of putting on they're, they're Every pure one of rest, them. They're pure like, wrestling. Including the women's match. Let's not forget, women's wrestling, by the way, this week, I just want to make a point. I was very impressed. Oh, oh, I mean, the, the women's division in every company in terms right of now work, has never been better. You know, it was never women's wrestling work-wise could be with the men, but they're opening up, they're opening up and they're closing nights sometimes. And they deserve it. So, you want to talk about women's wrestling here? I think this yes. is a great segue. Friday Night SmackDown um, returns to Fox, returns to the primetime network, and Go. the WWE oh. is pushing this. This well, is all, big for them. If you're watching any sort of this. television at all the last five weeks, I mean, they've been pushing this night like on everybody. You know, you watch football at all on fucking, you know, I have I have Sunday tickets, so I'm seeing it on every fucking channel. It's insane. Watch it on Fox. Watch it on Fox. The return. 
So Friday Night SmackDown opens up, and we knew that The Rock would be returning. You know, that was announced earlier in the week. People were really excited about it. I think it was a great way to get the people kind of back into it. Um, you know, people like mm-hmm. my brother, who I get a text from on Friday night, and he goes, uh, he sends a text to my pops and I. He goes, uh, watching WWE right now, Shane McMahon's put on like 30 pounds of muscle. How the hell did this yes. happen? Yeah. This show is freaking Shane awesome right now. Shane is in incredible shape in terms of he can work real matches at any time. Just come off the bench. This guy's literally coming off the bench and putting on A-plus matches all the time. I can't believe it. Is is Shane McMahon the Dion Waiters <laughs> That's a of strong the comparison, WWE but right I agree. Uh, he is, yeah, he'll come on and just, you know, he's Jamal Crawford that game. You know, he'll he's, he's still in his prime at 38. You know, but like, but, but shake to come and bake. off the bench. Shake and bake. I think it's just so hard. You know, to the ring rust, whatever they want to call it. That guy's ready for the moment. You know, I'm I'm impressed by Shane McMahon every time I see him. Friday Night SmackDown. Yeah. So they open up with The Rock. I think that's the best way to go. Uh, or excuse me, it's right. Becky Lynch actually who they open up with, and that yeah. was our segue. Uh, the man, and I mean, I'm not going to pretend right. to say anything about Becky Lynch right. that hasn't already been said. Yeah. She's just a pure superstar, as good on the mic as we've seen. Yeah, in she's grown up years and years and years, and a talented wrestler. Mm-hmm. So Becky Lynch is in the ring talking excited to welcome you know friday night smackdown back this is on fox it's gonna be her show and patrick corbin comes out (laughs) patrick uh, it's baron baron corbin i have it's so funny that you say patrick corbin how many times have you well, and I done that? Because it's you know so many sports that get overlaid. You know, I, I I play daily fantasy, so it's hard not to like get. Oh my god, that's I've done that so many times. Yeah. Excuse me, Barry Corbin comes in, and he's going by yeah. King, King Barry Corbin, Corbin yeah. now, right? King Corbin. That's what he's uh, that's the shtick that he's like going to be running with now. He comes in, inter- interrupts, uh, and and then you get right. the introduction of the Rock, and there's just no guaranteed pop. Quite like when the crowd hears, if you I mean, smell. you know, there's certain goosebumps that go by. You just always pray that you could ever get into a moment like that that The Rock gets every time. You know, that guy is just every time he just enters a building. You know, people just, it's, I couldn't imagine. Imagine being The Rock for one day. I mean, that just. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't enjoy The Rock's presence right. on Friday Night SmackDown. I it love any time it's he It's going to do up. the same, same head up and exactly whatever he's. And yeah, and and it was a little too predictable mm-hmm. this time. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I totally knew right. what to expect. But we got the same three catchphrases. We got the same, you know. Uh, world the the people's elbow yeah. to followed into mm-hmm. the rock bottom. We got all of that, and I'm not gonna no. complain about it because anytime no, I can see it, I like it. I just a little sense of creativity and kind of give me a yeah. wrinkle to the effect. Maybe incorporate something about what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, or right like now you know, just show. somewhat of a promo. I mean, he just kind of came in and just you know. It, I, it's 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 cool that he included Becky Lynch into it, but like we don't care, you know. We want it. We want to see the Rock. No offense to Becky, 
you know, whenever we can see the rock, we want to see the rock. So as much as this was mm-hmm. about the rock, right? And as much as this was about Becky Lynch holding her own as a superstar in the ring with the rock, I think this was just as much, and this might sound freaking crazy. I think this is just as much about Baron Corbin because mm-hmm. when he comes over to the WWE and he's first starting out, I'm I'm watching. This guy's awful. Right. He is so bad. No, they he bad was, bad. He was a joke. But he was a joke. But there was there was a train there was a change mm-hmm. there was a transition where he started to embrace the booze and that inerrant urge to right. hate him from the crowd. And, you know, in the WWE or in pro wrestling, you would rather someone absolutely hate you than for them to have no oh, opinion. Oh, I mean, your job you. is to have an extreme. I mean, if you... And he's oh, really turned the I corner. mean, he might be one of the most impressive wrestling stories of all time. Low-key. I mean, that guy went from a nothing to a main eventer. So the Rock shows the Rock shows Corbin a lot of love actually during this during this promo or however you want to slice it and dice it. To be included with the Rock in a promo is a huge deal. I don't care who you are, you know. And I think that it was the right time in Corbin's career to take the bump from the legend, as they call it, right? That it was time, and I think the the ex football player history might have impacted the chemistry. And the Rock shows serious love to Corbin, and then and then they put him over, and you know the Rock and Becky Lynch do their thing. I mean, and expected, but at Corbin. the same time, good for Corbin. Um, congrats, he's going to be a big part of that fucking show for sure. Absolutely. So Friday Night SmackDown, and this is going to be the last note that we get into here. Um, I mean, we oh, can no. touch on Hell in the Cell, but I think this is oh, where great. I kind of want to leave the show. Is we get the first taste of Tyson Fury, who's sitting ringside. Right, right. Strowman is laying a beat down on a couple poor souls in the ring. And there's a moment where you see a pretty intense stare off. And then there's a a sign of disrespect towards Tyson Fury. Fury gets up. They're barking. They're jawing at each other. And so the WWE formally invites Tyson Fury onto Monday Night Raw with an open mic. Yes. And I saw that promo. One of the, I saw most of the show, but I definitely saw the whole promo here. Um, you could tell, by the way, on the SmackDown when he was standing up the whole match, um, something was going on there. I wish he would have sat down, to be honest with you. Um, would have set it up just a little bit better. But I'm excited to see what Tyson Fury has for Braun Strowman if he maybe can take a few bumps. You know what I mean? I mean, he's a professional fighter, he's athletic, and the size matchup is great. So I loved that part of it. So the WWE, though, I think the reason they wanted him to stand, and I, I truly believe this, is because when they get the two seven-footers, and Fury's 6'9", Strowman is what, 6'10", 6'11", maybe he is seven feet, um, they like that face-off. Yes. Right? They wanted the crowd to know that Tyson Fury is just as tall and big as Braun Strowman is. Yeah, that was a point of emphasis. I totally got it. But at the end of the day, I think you can do that with a stare off. It maybe maybe they were overacting it a little bit. Yeah. But they needed that moment to show, well, one Fury's not backing down from Strowman. Strowman's interested in taking on a giant like that. And 
you know what? Let's just get into Tyson Fury. You want to talk about just a pure superstar entertainer who was born to do something like this. Oh, for sure. I will say, though, the, <clears throat> the promo on Monday Night Raw was a little cringeworthy. It was a little cringeworthy between Braun and him, in my opinion. Like, it was a little, like, as an actor, like, it might be unfair for me to, like, compare that. But, like, it was pretty bad acting from Braun Strowman. Like, it was bad. It was so, like Braun Strowman obviously is not a Mike guy, right? He's there no, to be the monster no. among men or whatever he, he, you want to call him. He's not a Mike guy. And I also think you're asking a lot from Fury to talk in a ring with a non-Mike guy, right? Like if, if you want to get Fury reps, you need yeah. to make sure that he's in the ring with someone else who can talk a little bit. Amen. Amen. So, so we see Fury, we see them, and then they start, you know, they, I don't think they necessarily exchange blows, but they start wrestling a little bit, and then the, the two break up on Monday Night Raw. And then you see them separate and and Fury's throwing haymakers, just dropping the poor security guards. Oh yeah, they got those guys are taking huge bumps those nights. Holy shit. Well, and I also I'm not sure that Fury really knows how to throw a fake punch. Not at all. And I mean there's a certain snap to it that you would need a few months to learn. I mean, like that's not something that you can just do, especially as a guy that does it for a living where you have to hit him. You know, Floyd Mayweather on Big Show that one time. Oh, I, oh, my God, you want to talk about the controversy that that started? Uh, I mean, they were afraid to bring him on. I don't blame him. I mean, think about that little guy was able to break the fuck out of his nose. Like, I mean, you know, one punch. <laughs> it, was, it looked like bam, bam, bam. Like, you couldn't even tell. Dylan, the last thing that I'm going to have you do, okay, and then yeah. we're going to wrap this up. Yes. I want you to rank the shows in order of what you're most excited about here in the future. Wow. Okay. In terms of excitement. Yep. And it, this is completely subjective. There are no right answers, only yours. All right. So I'm going to put, I'm going to go backwards just for the fans. Uh, NXT's last. Um, although Finn Balor was a really dope way to add to it. It's yes. just the, the rosters, you know, how that works. Um, I'm going to put Monday Night Raw 3. Because I know what to expect from that show a little bit. Um, you know what you're going to get. In terms of excitement, Friday Night SmackDown's number two. Wow. And then I got AEW number one in terms of let's see what they can do. Uh, they'll, they can beat NXT. Can they compete with a the, the big dogs, right? Raw is the question. I don't so think so yet, but... You know. I think the thing for the AEW is distinguishing themselves as different than the WWE and SmackDown. Yeah. They shouldn't be competing because they should really be trying to push the TV 14 rating and not the TV PG rating. Yes, yes. Although TV 14 just changed for Raw now. They changed from PG. So it's officially TV 14 now? TV 14 now. So they they try to catch up there. And that was smart by WWE. Because it's just, you know, there was no point for the PG thing. Most most kids are different now anyway. So how much how much the how much Raw incorporates their flexibility with the rating, I think will be very telling for their future. Absolutely. No doubt. So 
Dylan, uh, this went a little bit longer than expected, no, but I had no. a freaking blast. I, I love talking in general with you about sports or wrestling, but uh, it's always awesome. Thank you for bringing me on, man. It's uh, this is the most fun I get. So, uh, you know, it, it's more fun than acting to me. So this is dope. I love it. Dylan Flasher, thank you for coming on the Bo Templin Show. I am sure we will be talking again shortly, probably about wrestling. You know my number. You know where I live. I love you, Doc. Thank you, man. All right. Love you too, champ. Right. Peace. Peace.